ask you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. God's Word comes to us from Ephesians 4. I'm going to read verses 25 and then through the end of the chapter and also chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Ephesians 4, 25 through 5, verse 2. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of one, one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion." that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's ask for God's blessing on his word. Father, now we ask that you would be greatly praised, Lord, that this act of uh, preaching and hearing your word would uh, be a great uh, work of your spirit. Lord, we come expectantly uh, to hear you address us, and we pray that our hearts would respond with great joy and that you would be glorified, that your people would be built up. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, maybe you felt the turn in the seasons toward the cold and toward beginning preparations for the holidays. You're starting to make preparations for uh, where and who you'll be with for Thanksgiving. Uh, you're starting to make preparations if you're very well uh, planned on purchasing gifts for your kids for Christmas. Some of you are doing that way, way in advance. Uh, we're anticipating now the season where we spend more time with our families, where we uh, get to um, uh, nourish some relationships, maybe spend more quality time with our families. And I was thinking about that as I was thinking uh, about what to preach under a somewhat short notice this week. And uh, I had the, the burden to preach on the theme of forgiveness. Um, relationships uh, at the holidays oftentimes show us um, both the goodness of life and the glory of life, uh, getting to sit around a meal and eat with one another. Uh, but sometimes also uh, we see um, problems in relationships, things that need to be dealt with and worked on and forgiven. And I wanted to prepare us for that season as a church. There's a, there's a blessing in some sense as a pastor that I'm still new. I don't know all the particulars, uh, so I don't want you to feel that I'm speaking to one particular person uh, today. Uh, but this was a theme that I worked on throughout my uh, last uh, time in my, my congregation previously, the call, uh, the great um, calling to be a forgiving people. Um, one of the things that we confess as Christians, one of the essences of Christianity, is I believe in the forgiveness of sins. It's in the Apostles' Creed, if you've uh, learned that and recited it. Uh, when Jesus came to uh, teach his disciples how to pray, when they came to him and they said, teacher, teach us how to pray, one of the things that he taught them was, forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned 
against us. Experiencing forgiveness is one of the most beautiful, rich, freeing experiences that we can have. It's a glorious reality to be forgiven. Uh, you remember John Bunyan's book, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, the, the uh, second most sold book after the Bible, begins with this pilgrim on the road. Uh, he, he writes at the outset of the story, as I walked through the wilderness of this world, I lighted on a certain place where there was a den and I laid down to sleep. And as Bunyan sleeps, he sees this man. I saw a man clothed with rags, a book in his hand, and a great burden on his back. And the trajectory of the story for uh, the pilgrim is that he needs to do something with that burden. Something will have to happen to him to transform his identity, to change his status, and the weight that he's carrying has to be dealt with. And we're going to see uh, that that is true of us too. We have to see what God has done with the burden of our guilt and how that empowers us to forgive one another. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God has instituted forgiveness as one of the ways of stitching relationships back together. Our relationship with Him needs to be uh, one of forgiveness. We need to seek His forgiveness and ask for Him to forgive us, and we also need to be forgiving one another. Um, if you thought about bones breaking and then being healed back together, that's something that God works in forgiveness in relationships that as we forgive one another, there's actually a strength of that bond in the relationship that's stronger than it previously was. And we need to be a people who, were, who are patterned and shaped by forgiveness. If, if uh, Jesus said about Christians, this is how you're going to be known, this is how you're going to be recognized in the world, you will be a people who love one another, if that's our badge. One of the most important attributes of that love, the way we demonstrate that love, is a rich and a free forgiveness, one for another. So what's my goal in this just single sermon on forgiveness? What do I hope will happen through this sermon? I hope that, that our church, even through this season of, of holidays and of time with our families, uh, of living with one another in community and different um, uh, uh, tasks that we take as Christians in this congregation, uh, that we would be a people patterned by and shaped by forgiveness, that we'd be a people quick and soft-hearted in the way that we forgive, that we would forgive, as our passage says, as God in Christ has forgiven us. But we need to see first at the outset the pain of forgiveness. We need to see the paralysis that comes in a relationship when there isn't forgiveness. And then I want to close with the power for, for forgiveness. The pain, why it's so hard both to ask for forgiveness and to extend forgiveness, the paralysis that comes in relationships when there is no forgiveness, and then finally the power for forgiveness. Be kind, our passage says, 4, verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. There's a relationship involved, assumed in this text, forgive one another. There's a person who has offended, and there's a person who needs to forgive that person who needs to extend forgiveness. Uh, assumed in our passage is a relationship that needs to be healed. That's true of every Christian in the world. You will go through times in your life where you need to seek forgiveness and where someone will come to you and extend their hand in a very difficult moment and ask you to forgive them, and you will need to be able to do that. Well, what is forgiveness? Let's define it. What is the essence of forgiveness. Forgiveness is, is releasing someone who's offended against you 
from their obligation to pay you a debt. It's releasing someone from an obligation to pay you back, pay you a debt. It's saying, basically, I will no longer hold this offense against you, that the debt between us is done, it's canceled. I'm not going to treat you as if you've offended against me anymore. Notice that forgiveness is not pretending there isn't an offense. This is what Lewis so famously wrote in Mere Christianity. A good many people imagine that forgiving your enemies means making out they're not such bad fellows after all, when it's quite plain they are. Uh, When someone comes and asks for forgiveness, it's not pretending that there isn't anything between you. It's acknowledging what you did was wrong. It hurt. It's done. I release you from the obligation to pay me back. Paul commands us as a church to clothe ourselves, to put off, as we prayed in our service, the old man, to put on the new man in love and be patterned by forgiveness. But it's painful because it's looking at a real offense and releasing someone from an obligation to be paid back. Well, why is it so hard to come and ask? The main command is to those extending forgiveness. It's assuming someone has come and requested or someone needs to come and request for forgiveness. The main command is addressed to the person who needs to forgive. Why don't we come oftentimes and ask? Uh, Why don't we come and seek forgiveness in relationships? Well, a main reason for that is that it's hard to see the truth about ourselves. Uh, So much of our life we live, even as Christians, believing that we're generally fine, that we are good people that don't really um, offend one against another. Oftentimes we interpret our actions through our own uh, grid of interpretation. Maybe you've had an argument with a friend or your spouse, uh, and the person says, did you hear the tone with which you spoke to me? And you say, well, I didn't have that tone at all. Uh, And the person is hearing, or you are actually not hearing the way that you have spoken one with another. Um, We need the freedom as Christians of seeing that there are offenses that we've done that need us to go and seek for forgiveness. We need the freedom of asking for forgiveness. We need to hear challenges sometimes. You remember the prophet Nathan who came and challenged David with an offense that he had to see about himself. He wasn't willing to see it. And he said to him, after he had killed a man for his wife so that he could have his bride, he said to him, you are the man who's robbed and stolen. He had to see this reality about himself. Uh, The apostle Peter even had to be challenged by another apostle. Remember Paul in Galatians comes to Peter and he challenges him and he says, you're not living in line with the gospel. We need to be receptive as Christians to hear there's an offense that's been done and we need to go and to seek forgiveness. We need to be ready to see. Well, what about the person who needs to extend? What's the pain of needing to extend forgiveness? I think Rob Green in his book, Tying the Knot, this is a book, Preparing People for Marriage, says about forgiveness. In many cases, people struggle to forgive because they compare the amount of forgiveness they've received from their spouse to the amount of forgiveness they have given. And the implication is, I can only forgive someone to the degree that they have forgiven me. To the degree that someone's shown me kindness, tenderheartedness, I will extend then forgiveness also. If that were the case, uh, Paul would have to rewrite this verse. 
4.32 says, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you, not as your neighbor or your husband or your spouse or your children have forgiven you. It isn't to the degree that I have been forgiven by someone that I should extend forgiveness, but as God in Christ has forgiven me, and we have been forgiven infinitely by our Father. We've been loved infinitely by our Father. Well, this certainly needs qualification. Uh, There are situations certainly where a person seeking forgiveness, maybe a repeated offense, needs to face the consequences of what they've done. They may need to even face legal consequences for what they've done, and people who've been sinned against uh, may need protection from others. Uh, But the command still stands that we are to forgive over and over and over again. Jesus said, remember to Peter, even if you are sinned against 70 times 7, you will need to forgive over and over and over again. It's a painful thing as a Christian to have to forgive. When we see how difficult it is, when we see there's been a real specific event that needs to be forgiven and a person needs to be released from the obligation to pay. Well, what happens in relationships when forgiveness is neglected. There can be a coldness, there can be a frozenness that comes when there is a lack of forgiveness. Notice that Paul follows verse 32 with 31. He follows, I'm sorry, 31 with verse 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Forgiveness is an antidote to those things. Uh, Tender-heartedness is a a way uh, that uh, could be translated uh, good-guttedness. The Greeks spoke about the the most significant uh, emotions and and desires coming from your guts, and we're called as Christians to be tender toward one another. Uh, But unaddressed problems freeze us in relationships. It's, It's paralyzing to genuine love to lack forgiveness one for another. Hebrews 12, verses 14 to 15 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. See, the Ephesians needed to see that bitterness and wrath and clamor could be undone through this blessed privilege of forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven us, that there, the bitterness, the root of bitterness that grows and paralyzes relationships could be cut off and dealt with through the freedom of extending forgiveness one for another. I remember hearing the story of uh, a pastor saying that he was doing some counseling with a couple uh, and a, a husband and a wife came into his uh, office, and one of them had a little book, uh, a little chronicle, uh, as a little yellow notebook, and inside it were dates and events written in the book. And the, the counselor, the pastor, eventually asked, well, what is this thing that you carry with you? And the spouse said, it's a record of all the times my spouse has said or done things against me that hurt, and I just can't afford to forget these things anymore. Uh, relationships that don't have the freedom of 
forgiveness start to freeze and they start to be paralyzed. Uh, we have to face our need for forgiveness. Maybe you don't have that book. <laughs> Maybe you don't carry a physical uh, record of the things that have been done against you, but maybe your heart has experienced that kind of resentment over time. If we are in any relationship, it doesn't need to be marriage, if you're in any relationship over time, there will be a need for repentance and forgiveness, for one person to ask another, will you please forgive me? Well, I want us to see Third, the power for forgiveness. If we've seen the pain, the difficulty of genuine forgiveness, of seeking it, of extending it, if we've seen the paralysis that comes in relationships when there isn't genuine, genuine and deep and rich forgiveness, where's the power for forgiveness? What does Paul tell us that will actually enable us to do this? And dear people of God, I want, I want this to be a reality, not something that sails over us today, but for you to hear the genuine power that God has accomplished to enable you to be a forgiving people. Ephesians 5 verse 1, be imitators of God as beloved children. God has made those who were outcasts, who did not have a spiritual relationship with him, dearly loved children. Does that astound you as it should? Does that reality surprise you? It surprised the Apostle John when he wrote, Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Does that astound you when you wake up in the morning and you know, I am a son, I am a daughter of the king of the universe? As dearly loved children, be imitators of your father. But second, there's another reality that empowers our forgiveness. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. The reason genuine forgiveness is so difficult is because it doesn't look like human forgiveness. It looks like divine forgiveness, the forgiveness that is over and over and over again. And if you just think, I'm commanded to forgive, I need to forgive, you will be frozen and you will be paralyzed with inability to forgive. But if you remember the flip side of that reality, that God has actually loved you with an eternal love, that you will never out-forgive God, that He will always more richly love you and forgive you than you'll ever be able to love others. You will be empowered to forgive. What is this image of the sacrifice? Brian Chapel writes uh, helpfully about this. There's much in the image that is pleasant, but it also reminds us that the fragrance from an altar does not come without some giving of self an offering and some dying of another a sacrifice. There is no life of love without a degree of giving and of dying. Forgiveness will always entail giving and dying, but you need to remember first that Christ was the one who gave himself for you. Christ is the one who died for you. God knew that we would be incapable in ourselves to be able to forgive one another as we should, and so what did he do? The Father loved us as his children, that he gave his son, and his son gave himself as a sacrifice and died for 
his people. Remember that the essence of forgiveness is canceling a debt. It's releasing someone from an obligation to pay. Well, what has God done for us? He's canceled our debts. He's released us from an obligation to pay. We are like the pilgrim making our way through this world, carrying a heavy burden of debt. And the Father has said to us, I release that from you. You don't have to face the burden of your guilt anymore. I have dealt with it. Well, how does he do that? How did he accomplish that? Well, Bunyan writes so beautifully about the pilgrim. The pilgrim ran thus till he came to a place somewhat ascending, and upon that place stood a cross, and a little below in the bottom, a sepulcher, which is just an old word for a tomb, a grave. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up with the cross, his burden loosed off his shoulders and fell off his back and began to tumble. So it continued to do so until it came to the mouth of the grave where it fell in, and I saw it no more. When you are facing the difficult reality of forgiving someone who is hard to forgive, the Lord wants you to ponder and think about the reality that the burden of the guilt that you should have carried has rolled off your back and gone into a grave, and you will never have to face it anymore. You don't have to deal with it anymore. He hasn't treated you the way that you deserved. And so you don't have to turn and treat others the way that they deserve. Christ has been nailed to a cross for paralyzed people, people who could not love the way that they should love. He has done what we could not do. Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14, And you who were dead in trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, having canceled the bond which stood against us with legal demands. These he set aside, nailing them to a cross. So the power, dear people of God, the power that you need to be able to genuinely release others from the obligation to pay you back for the debts they've incurred against you comes from seeing Jesus giving, Jesus dying, facing what you deserved and completely washing it away. It's seeing and remembering the glory of your privilege as children loved by a father perfectly loved because you've been loved in the Son. I just want to close with with a few applications for our relationships again as we head into this holiday season. If you've struggled to admit that you need to ask for forgiveness in an area, I would encourage you to ask someone that you trust into your life and tell them the things uh, that others say you need to work on. Ask someone to help you with it. Um, if you're not ready for that, read the Bible. The Bible is very powerful for exposing our lives. Pray to the Holy Spirit and say, I need to see areas where I need to ask for forgiveness. You will be surprised how God addresses you, particularly in your need to seek forgiveness. But if your heart is cold and frozen, if the roots of bitterness have grown up in your love toward others, Remember that the power to release others from an obligation to pay you the debt back comes because we sit at the foot 
of a cross, of a Savior who has loved us with everlasting love, who will never turn his face away from us and reject us, who will never treat us according to what our sins deserved. I want to leave you with your Savior, that the love that he has shed abroad in our hearts is powerful to actually accomplish the kind of forgiving hearts that we need. Oh, to see the pain, we're going to sing, written on your face, bearing the awesome weight of sin, every evil deed, every bitter thought, crowning your blood-stained brow. This is the power of the cross. He took the blame. He bore the wrath. We stand forgiven at the cross. May we be changed by these realities. May we be a people who are enabled to work through our resentments and our bitternesses and genuinely forgive as God in Christ has forgiven us. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the glory of seeing areas of our life that need growth and change. And Lord, we ask that uh, as severely as your word convicts us, you would also uh, show us uh, the great glory of a Savior who has loosed our burdens and our, the weight of our sin and our guilt and has powerfully brought us into eternal life and joy. Lord, would we be patterned as a congregation uh, by forgiving richly and freely? Would we be known as those who love because we have been greatly loved? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing, O to see the dawn.